morning, Cross Point Community Church. Ah, man, that was tired. You all must be tired. You got an extra hour of sleep last night. What are you talking about? Morning, Cross Point Community Church. Oh, that's more like it. I love it. Um, all of us got an extra hour of sleep, sleep except for parents whose kids were right up at the right time this morning. And so right now, um, parents, I'm going to invite you with your children. If you've not uh, signed in your kids, first through third grade, you're welcome to head up there with them now. Miss Danielle's in the back. First through third graders, you are welcome to head to the back for your class now. Uh, we'll pray for them as they hear of God's grace on the second floor up there as they study the word. So please take your Bibles, my friends, and turn with me to Romans chapter 6. I have been so excited to get into this, back into this book after a couple weeks of, of break. Um, I will take a couple minutes for brief announcements, if you just bear with me for a couple necessary words. Um, starting with these necessary words, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for those who served our community last week, who showed up on that ball field and uh, served the young ones and families in our community. What a blessing that was. So if you took your time last week and came out and served our church and our community, we just want to say thank you for that. Then also, on the behalf of the elders here, uh, you all have been such a blessing to us. October, for whatever reason, has been designated as Pastor Appreciation Month, and you all took that serious. And so, on behalf of all the elders, myself, thank you for the way you've expressed your appreciation and your prayers. We truly thank God for you, the, the cards with such meaningful wordage in them, and the, the gifts, that's always helpful. Uh, thank you for all of that. Uh, we, we genuinely appreciated that. Um, then this, a couple other quick things. Um, some of you have heard of this. There's a pro-life stand today on Hilltop Drive from 2 to 4. Uh, that group will be meeting at Trinity Lutheran. If you'd want to participate in this, this is something we want to embrace. Um, next, in, in January, we're going to be praying diligently as our Sanctity of Life Sunday. We're going to be considering this. These are things that we embrace um, that God would give us grace as we consider our responsibility to this. Um, so today, 2 to 4, if you'd like to participate in that, that is there. Lastly, tonight, and I know there's several young families, or families, just families in this room, and parents are trying to show up on Sunday covering the splotches of hair that you've pulled out during the week because you're trying to figure out how, by God's grace, to parent. Well, sometimes you just need a bit of fellowship, if that's you, and you just need to connect with some other parents who are in the same situation of life, uh, this Sunday night every month is designated for Parents Date Night. So if you would like to participate in that, please, uh, I, I know many of you have my cell number, uh, text me on that or email me on that or see me in the foyer afterwards and we will get word to you on the organized, coordinated time and place for that. But please do that by 4 p.m. Uh, so we can make sure we organize the right place. But if you're interested in that, email, text me, or see me in the foyer, and we will, we will make plans for that this evening. All right, enough of that. Back on our journey in Romans. I've been so excited to get back into this book. I hope you have as well. If you're visiting with us, again, welcome to you. Um, we have been on this journey through Romans. 
just dialing in. Every single week we study Romans, we take a paragraph of the passage of the text, and we try to just dig in, and at the end of digging in, we try to make this uh, very appropriate and practical to daily life. Well, that is the case this morning with Romans chapter 6, 1 through 5. Before we get to that, though, have you ever found yourself, as kind of a lead-in to the passage, have you found yourself using this expression? This is awesome! Now what? <laughs> what, what do I mean? Well, maybe you spend hours with your family considering that big family vacation. Money has been saved. Airline tickets have been purchased, hotels have been booked, bags have been packed, all of this came together, you actually made it to the airport on time, your plane actually left, you actually landed, you actually got transportation to your hotel, and you're sitting in your hotel thinking, wow, this has been six months in the making, and you're sitting there, and your children around you say, dad and mom, this is awesome, now what? You ever been there? And you're thinking, wait, we planned all this, and now what are we going to do? Maybe it's this. Maybe you don't want to spend that much money, airline tickets and stuff. So you get with your group of friends. You, you love backpacking. I don't know how many of you like backpacking. I love getting into the wilderness. Putting all your stuff on your back and getting in there a couple miles. But you plan this with your friends. You've been planning this for some time, so you buy all the necessary lightweight gear. You get your backpack ready, you, you go to the maps, you find where you want to go, you actually drive that day, and you make it to the trailhead, and you're stoked because there's not 300 other cars at the trailhead, and now you're on your destination to your five-day backpacking trip. You go up the ridges and down the ridges and all around them, you cross the rivers, you get to your designated spot. It's quiet, it's beautiful, some of you know exactly what I mean. You sit there, you set up your tents, you put your bags in the tents, you get your little log to sit on, you sit on that log, and you and your friends are like, wow, this is wonderful. Now what do we do? <laughs> you ever been there? What do we do for the next five days? Or maybe it's a little different for you. Maybe you're driven by work, and you've been accepted by your dream job. You've done all the necessary education, you've pursued this proper education, you've dialed in on this, work, this job that you've wanted for your life, you have prayed diligently about this, you have applied, you've gone through the process, you now have been accepted into this job, you're now on the first day of your job sitting at this beautiful desk, and you're saying to yourself, this is awesome! Now what? What's next? Okay, I think we need to see through that lens as we get into Romans chapter 6, 1 through 5. Please follow as I, as I say this and, and, and track with me on my thinking here because here's what's happened. We've been on our journey through Romans. This is awesome. Why? Because you remember the first part of Romans. Oh boy, our hearts were heavy. We were introduced to the concept of universal condemnation because of sin. Do you remember this? First three chapters. All Jews are sinners, all Gentiles are sinners, and if for some reason you don't think you're a Jew or a Gentile, the entire world 
was considered a sinner in rebellion against God and deserving of his condemnation. That's pretty heavy stuff. But then we get to the end of chapter 3 and into chapter 4 and 5. And in his mercy, God has prepared a way through Jesus Christ for this wonderful word that we've been meditating on. It is justification. It is a declaration of righteousness. This declaration of righteousness is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And so we have been sitting there, and some of us, even through this journey, have come to Jesus Christ in saving faith. I praise God for that. Whether you have recently come to Jesus Christ in saving faith or sometime in the, fa- in, in the past, you read through Romans chapter 3 through 5, and you say, yes, I believed I put my faith and trust in this Jesus Christ where at one time I shuddered at the depths of my depravity and bemoaned the ugliness of the bad news. Now I rejoice in the beauty of the good news. We've been sitting through this in Romans 3 through 5 saying, thank you God for saving my soul. God has saved our souls from the condemnation of sin. We are no longer in fear of His divine wrath. We absolutely love verses like Romans chapter 5, verse 1. We have been justified by faith. And because of this, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we sit there and we think, wow, this is awesome. We love the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We love it. We've been meditating on this. This is so awesome. God has now, by His grace, declared us righteous in His presence. Now what? Now where do we go? This is so awesome, but Pastor Andrew... You do know I still struggle with temptations, right? (laughs) Temptation in this sin-cursed world. Now what do I do? Well, my friends here today, brothers and sisters in Christ, we praise God that Romans didn't stop at Romans 5. There's 11 more chapters. Honestly, though, in our thinking and some people's theology, the process of salvation will stop in Romans 5. They focus so much on this declaration of righteousness, coming to Jesus Christ by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And it's almost like the train stops prematurely. Or if you notice in your Bible, there's 11 more chapters to the discussion. And I would say a dynamic praise God for 11 more chapters. Why? Because it doesn't leave us hanging. That Monday morning when you get up and you know all day long you're going to struggle with that deep, dark temptation that you have fought with and against for the last 10 years. Guess what, brothers and sisters in Christ? There are 11 more chapters in Romans. And they deal with this. Primarily, we're going to look at Romans 6, 7, and 8, and I hope today you brought your thinking caps. I hope you're ready to dig into some theology, and I praise God for every single one of you here. 
because I can tell you dig in. On Sunday mornings, when we dig into the Word of God, you're following. You're asking questions. You're analyzing the text. I praise God for that. Today, we will start into the now what discussion in Romans. This salvation discussion doesn't just stop at justification. It works into every part of real life, especially as it relates to those deep, dark temptations that you really don't want anybody to know, but God Almighty sees very clearly and He's concerned about. Romans 6 through 8, and would you join me this morning as we read Romans chapter 6, 1 through 5, and we see this now what discussion started. Verse 1. What shall we say then? That's the now what. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Here's Paul's response. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, and that's three very important words, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse 5. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So from this text today, we're going to kind of walk through this key truth. Here's the key truth. It's on your handout in front of you, this key truth. Considering the now what of salvation, all true believers should fully Embrace their new identity in Jesus Christ. All right, so this key idea, considering the now what of salvation, how does this work? With the remaining flesh, with the remaining temptations that I deal with on Monday morning, how does this work? All true believers should fully embrace. What, is it, what, what do we mean by that? Very clearly, Romans 6 through 8 doesn't identify just a special group of privileged ones. This is for every single human being who has ever come to Jesus Christ by grace through faith. Sanctification is for every single believer. By the way, a noteworthy point in Romans is that to some degree or another, it will happen to true believers. Sanctification will. Then this, every true believer should fully embrace their new identity in Christ. My brothers and sisters in Christ, if you have never truly interacted with these four words, your new identity in Christ, then you're about to have your world rocked. This is awesome. This is truly the foundation of our battle with sin. It is not how hard you get up in the morning to on your own fight this sin. Fighting sin comes with our new identity in Jesus Christ. 
embracing who we truly are in Christ. And that is what we are looking at today. Let's just take the remainder of our time today, break this apart as, is, as you see on your handout there, starting with this one. Considering the now what of sanctification or salvation. Considering the now what of salvation. Would you look again with me at verses 1 and 2? What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Paul says, by no means. How can he who died to sin still live in it? What's the explanation of this? Well, the believers in Romans were certainly impressed by God's saving grace. You see this. It's unfolded. They are impressed by what's happening in, verses, in chapters 1 through 5. This is awesome. You can just hear them saying that. Paul, praise God for justification. Now what? Why? Because clearly temptation and sin are still part of our daily lives. Just because you came to Jesus Christ in saving faith and repented of your sins doesn't mean you're not going to struggle to be angry with your wife and kids on Monday night when you get back from work. It doesn't radically just change the battle that you have daily with your sin. There was a struggle with sin as clearly expressed here with the Church of Rome and the twisted nature of the undirected mind says this, Well then, Paul, if God's grace is highlighted through my choices to sin, and you know where they're going with this, if God's grace is highlighted by my choices to sin, wouldn't it kind of be better if I just really, really, really enjoyed my sin all the time? That's the twisted nature of our own human mind. And how does Paul respond he responds with a phrase that you're going to find through the book of Romans. You're going to find it through the New Testament. It's one of the strongest phrases that you will ever find to say this. Don't ever, 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 ever say it that way. Don't even think it. Let it never be so. In the Greek language, languages, megnoito. Don't say that. Paul says, by no means since you embrace the death of Christ for sin on the cross, you must now pursue the sanctified life of the resurrected Savior. That's where Paul's headed with this. So, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the, the, the now what journey we're on, the now what of justification leads us into a very appropriate discussion for everyone in this room, and we need to be very familiar with this word. Yes! I love this word. <laughs> Sanctification. What does this mean? Young ones, you're not too young to understand what this means. Old ones, we're not too un old to understand what this word means. What is this in the scriptures? Sanctification in a technical sense is to be set aside for a purpose. Here's a wonderful word. It's the word consecrated. All right, then in a theological sense, not only does it mean to be set aside for a purpose, it is this. It is the process of spiritual growth by which all true believers are consecrated 
away from sin and toward Christ-likeness. This is sanctification. I included some helpful um, definitions on the back of your handout. Maybe this week you can work through this. Sanctification, I'll just read through them in brief, and you can dial in this week, or maybe even your life groups this evening, you can talk on these things. What is sanctification? It is the work of God in the life of a justified believer that both sets him apart to God and empowers him to grow in true holiness. So basically this, God is not just concerned with getting you into eternal life. God is concerned about your daily life. How that translates into every decision you make every single day. Uh, one of my favorite theologians to read, his name is Wayne Grudem. He says this, his, his definition of sanctification. It is a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and like Christ in our actual lives. Sanctification is theology with shoes on. It's theology on Monday morning. That's what sanctification is. It is day in, day out decision to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. Yes to Christ likeness. One of my favorite authors, his name is J.C. Ryle. Wrote some dynamic books. He says this about sanctification. It is that inward spiritual work which the Lord Jesus Christ works in a man by the Holy Ghost when he calls him to be a true believer, he not only washes him from his sins in his bl own blood, but he also separates him from his natural love of sin and the world, puts a new principle in his heart, and makes him practically godly in life. That is sanctification. Notice the wordage, practical actual life. Again, sanctification is theology with shoes on. Another guy named Anthony Hokema, I, I enjoy reading his stuff. He says that gracious, sanctification is that gracious operation of the Holy Spirit. I love that because it deals with our hearts. Sanctification is that operation in your heart. It's open heart surgery every single day. It is that operation of the Holy Spirit involving our responsive participation by which He delivers us as justified sinners from the pollution of sin, renews our entire nature according to the image of God, and enables us to live lives that are pleasing to Him. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that, that's sanctification. That's the work of God that He's doing in our life every single day day. I think a great way to discuss sanctification in a very practical way is actually through a question. You ready for this? Here's the question. It's also on the back of your handout. Am I saved? You ever thought about that? Am I saved? Well, you're probably sitting there thinking, well, Pastor Andrew, you told us the last five chapters of Romans. Yes, you're saved by grace through faith in Christ, right? Well, that's the first part of the answer. A, a real true answer according to the New Testament of Scripture would be, yes, absolutely I'm saved. And then as you stop and you think about it, you say, usually I'm saved. 
And as you actually really start thinking about it, you say, well, I'm not really saved. Okay, you're like, explanation is in order right now, pastor, or we're going to like all walk out and leave. All right, good. So let's walk through that. Why this answer? Yes, indeed, I am truly saved. Usually I'm saved, but not yet saved. What are you talking about? Okay, let's start with the first one. This is what we're talking about in the first five chapters of Romans. By the way, I, didn't, I wasn't joking when I said bring your thinking caps today, right? Put your thinking caps on. Yes, indeed, I'm saved. Romans 1 through 5 says, in Jesus Christ, we are positionally justified. That means we have been declared righteous. So if you ask, are you saved? I would say, yes, I have been saved from the penalty of sin. I am no longer under the wrath of an almighty God. Praise God for that. That should be every one of our responses. But our theology doesn't stop in Romans 1 through 5. It works into 6 through 8. And what is the answer of Romans 6 through 8? Usually I'm saved. What do I mean? Usually I'm saved from the power of sin. In the life of a believer, he ought to every single day battle his flesh. And actually, Peter considers this, Paul considers this, an actual battle in your soul flesh battling the spirit so if you ask are you saved i would say yes i'm saved i've been saved from the penalty of sin and then i would say well usually i'm saved because that means i'm being saved from the power of sin every day i battle my flesh those those temptations of the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life i'm battling those every single day and usually god gives me the great he always gives me through his word and the spirit the grace but sometimes guess what I give in to that nasty temptation and yell at my kids and my dog and my horses. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. So are you saved? Yes, I'm saved, usually, but not yet. What do we mean by that? Okay, so Romans 1 through 5 tell us about the positional justification. Romans 6 through 8. 7 and to the end of chapter 7 into the chapter 8 yes i'm saved usually because i'm battling with sin and by god's grace i'm conquering sin the power of sin but not yet what do we mean by this well friends if you're sitting here right now and you're breathing and your heart is beating you have not yet entered into this last one what do i mean you have not yet been saved from the presence of sin you know you're about to get in your car and go home, and the discussions are going to flare up in the car. Especially when you ask, where are we going to eat lunch today? <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about. When we talk of salvation in a glorification sense, we are going to see this highlighted at the end of chapter 8. So the three tenses of salvation through the book of Romans, when someone asks you, are you saved? Yes, I'm saved through Jesus Christ. I have been saved from the penalty of sin. Yeah, but you know what? I'm still battling with sin every day. And by his grace, he's given me the power over sin through the spirit. But am I fully saved in my regenerate body? I mean, fully, fully expressing the glorification of salvation? Not yet. I will tell you this, though, brothers and sisters in Christ, there are members of our church family that right now are experiencing this glorification. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about our brother, Ron Holloway. I'm talking about my grandpa, Royal Blue. I'm talking about 
our brother Rick Slocum. I'm talking about our brother Roger. These are ones right now who have passed from this life into the next life and their lives have been dynamically changed. They are in the presence of Jesus. No longer to ever deal again with the presence of sin in their life. All right, do you understand this? This is where we're going with sanctification. Romans 6 through 8 is that usually part there. The battle with our sin every single day of our lives. Oh, and we better hurry because we're going to be here till 4 o'clock this afternoon. Let's do this. Let's go to the next part of this equation. Considering the now what of salvation, all true believers should fully embrace their new identity in Jesus Christ. You're saying, what are you talking about? Well, would you look with me at verse 5, and would you circle or highlight two words? That's the word united and united. All right? Here it is. For if we have been united with him in death, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is what is theologically known as union with Christ. Union with Christ is the foundation stone of sanctification. It is completely intentional by the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul as we enter into this discussion of sanctification Our new identity reveals that we have been united with Christ. This is one of the most important concepts to ever grasp as a follower of Jesus Christ. That you have been, by Jesus Christ, brought into union. Union with Christ. Okay, then you're right now saying, well, what is this union with Christ? Well, here it is. At justification, we have been infused into Christ, and through the Holy Spirit, He has been infused into us. It is the fact that I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. I have been brought into an inseparable relationship with Jesus Christ, and this relationship carries with it unimaginable spiritual benefits for me and every other true believer and follower of Jesus Christ. I look at it this way. I have been given the amazing privilege of wearing a brand new VIP ID badge that gets me into access to any spiritual blessing available. Why? Because I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. Friends, that is the foundation stone of sanctification. Your new identity in Jesus Christ. You wear this VIP badge proudly because you are now a Jesus person. One of the most notable verses that's probably coming to your mind right now is a verse that Paul, to the region of Galatia, he says this in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I, I still live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is union with Christ. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. So this new identity means that when God sees me, catch this, my friends, 
When God sees me, He no longer sees a sinful soul that has received forgiveness. He sees a regenerate son completely covered with the robes of Christ's righteousness. When God sees you, if you've come to Him in saving faith, He no longer sees this sinful soul. He sees His Son. Praise God! A clear New Testament phrase indicating union with Christ is is the phrase, in Christ. If you want a blessing, here's your homework this week. Maybe even for life groups this evening. Write down Ephesians chapters 1 and 2. If you would do this, go to Ephesians 1 and 2 this week and circle or highlight how many times in Christ is mentioned. With Christ or in Him, in Christ. That combination. And what you're going to find is the entire foundation of our daily life, the choices we make every day for a new believer. It should be the fact, any believer, it should be the fact that we have been brought into union with Jesus Christ. I am in Him and He is in me. In a spiritual sense, through, the, through their union with Christ and new identity, think about what all true believers have gone through then with Christ. I mean, think about this. Okay, in a practical way. You have friends in this room. Or, or maybe think of your spouse. Think about the last 10 years, and, and something that bonds you together with this friend or this spouse is that you have gone through some deep waters together. You know what I'm talking about. That financial, dis- that financial difficulty that right now is coming to both you and your wife's mind. That, that, so I heard some amens out there somewhere. All right. That physical ailment that you had to trudge through with your, uh, with your spouse. That prayer partner friend that prayed with you daily for these things. And when you get to the end of this, you think back through what has happened to your relationship. You're that much closer. Okay, now I want you to think about if this union in Christ is truly the fact, what Paul is saying here, think about what you have gone through with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about this union. You have been to the cross. Your sins have been nailed to the cross, as Paul says in Colossians. But you didn't stop at the cross. What happens? You came through it because of the resurrection. You were raised with Jesus Christ. And that's exactly how Paul says this. Uh, Look with me at verses 3 and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Okay, quick time out. This is not talking about formal water baptism here. Okay, this is simply a metaphor to explain a biblical truth. This baptism. What do I mean? Baptism is one of the most appropriate metaphors in all the Bibles to describe one word, and that is the word identity. To be baptized into something means to be incorporated into it or identified with it. To be baptized into Christ means to be incorporated into Christ and identify fully with Him. It is talking of union with Christ. Paul says this in verse 4, For we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. You identified with his death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. 
For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. In these verses, we find two very practical aspects of our new identity. Here it is. As you struggle with daily sin, it is reminding yourself, and we'll talk more of this next week, it is reminded that this new identity has positionally died to sin. Your sin went to the cross with your Savior. But not just that. When you struggle with your sin, you realize that your new identity has been positionally raised to newness of life. Okay. So, let's put some shoes on this. According to the question that was asked by Paul, or by the Church of Rome to Paul, he was anticipating this question. As a true believer, should I continue in sin? What's Paul's response? Don't ever, ever, ever say that. (laughs) I must never, ever, ever consider this as an option. Why? Here's why. Because, and, and following the argument of the Apostle Paul, why? Because I have positionally died with Christ, and I have positionally been raised with Christ to walk in newness of life. So, after continuing, after coming to Christ, should I continue to live a life of sexual pleasure outside of marriage? No way! Why? I have died with Christ, and I have been raised to walk in newness of life. So, After coming to Christ, should I continue to slander and to cheat and to lie and to steal? Paul's response in this text, no way! Why? I have died with Christ and I have been raised to walk in newness of life. So, after coming to Christ, should I I continue to communicate like the world in word or in gesture or in text? No way! Why? Why? I have died with Christ and I have been raised to walk in newness of life. So after coming to Christ, should I continue to be involved in my substance addiction? No way! Why? Well, you know the answer. I have died with Christ and I have been raised to walk in newness of life. Really, we've already jumped into this application, but let's jump further into this so what? So what? So what of sin and the Savior and salvation? So what about Monday morning? So what about the heights of coming to church and being encouraged to walk in newness of life and the fact that you got to get in that car and argue about lunch? And you got to go home and work through the selfishness of your heart through Sunday afternoon and evening and into Monday morning. So what? Well, I would say two very clear so what should come from this passage. First one would be this. Have you truly received a new identity in Jesus Christ? Have you humbled yourself, repented of your sin, come to Jesus Christ in saving faith? Are you His? The the fact of the matter is you can never walk in newness of life if you have never been given new life. Think about that. So many Christians want their life fixed. I'm sick of struggling with my addiction. I'm sick of struggling with my anger. Well, the first question I'm going to have for anyone is, 
are you Jesus's? Are you saved? Do you have a new identity in Jesus Christ? It is impossible for you to battle the sin of the flesh if you have not been saved from the sin of the flesh. Would you come to Jesus Christ today? I know there's burdens here. I've talked to many of you in this room. And I know some of you in this room are wrestling right now with coming to Jesus Christ in saving faith. You cannot battle your flesh without the empowerment of the Savior. So the first question I would ask is this. Have you received a new identity in Christ? Next question I would ask would be this. Do you... If you have come to Jesus Christ and you have been given this new identity in Christ, do you daily realize the significance of your new identity in Christ? Every single moment of every single day, you're holding on to this new identity with all you have. This new ID card that gets you into every spiritual blessing, by God's grace, you're holding that with all you've got. As you struggle daily with temptation, we're talking about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Have you truly embraced your new identity in Christ? Talking and praying with different individuals and crying with different individuals this week who are truly battling with the sins of their flesh. And asking them, have you truly identified, have you truly embraced your new identity in Jesus Christ? That you have been buried with him that you have been raised to new life that temptation to promote yourself have you truly embraced your new identity in christ that temptation to react in anger have you truly embraced your identity in christ your new identity in christ the temptation to look at porn on that device well have you truly embraced your new identity in jesus christ the temptation to slander your brother and sister in Christ. Well, have you truly embraced your new identity in Jesus Christ? The temptation to lash out in word. Have you truly embraced your new identity in Jesus Christ? The temptation to lie to your boss. Have you truly embraced your new identity in Jesus Christ? Brothers and sisters in Christ, as we enter into Romans chapter 6 through 8 and we see this wonderful topic of sanctification just unpacked every single week, we must remember that the foundation of sanctification is our new identity in Jesus Christ. We must intentionally and fully embrace our new identity in Christ, we must be consumed with this thought that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too should walk in newness of life. And so, Father, that is our prayer today. We cannot candy coat the struggles we have with our own flesh and sin. Oh God, I pray that you would give us grace to recognize our own deficiencies, but then to embrace our new identity in Jesus Christ.
to love our union with Christ with all we have. And I know, Father, that all of us in this room are going to have to take these truths home and meditate on them. I know there's some in this room here still that are kind of shaking their heads like, I'm not quite understanding that. Oh, God, I pray by your Holy Spirit you would help us to see this clearly and then to embrace it fully. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. I thank you for our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ, and thank you that through the Spirit we have been brought into union with this Christ. My friends here today, brothers and sisters, we're going to close out with a, a word of prayer and a song of praise. But as you're sitting there praying this morning, just you and God, just like, just like we did prior to the sermon this morning, would you analyze your own heart? First question is this, have you come to Jesus Christ in saving faith? Have you received a new identity? You cannot do anything to earn this new identity. That's what we clearly saw in the first five books or chapters of the book of Romans. You cannot earn it. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So essentially I'm asking this, have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? There's young ones here, there's older ones here. Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? If you have not, I would encourage, I would implore that today be that day when you repent from your sin and come to Jesus Christ in saving faith. At the end of the service, there'll be those at the front, chaplains here that would love if you have questions to explain more of this with you. There'll be pastor elders around the auditorium that will hang out for a good 15, 20 minutes after the service, maybe longer, that would love to talk with you more about this. But I would encourage you, do not go home without, without truly dealing with this, this thought of salvation, the call of salvation. For those of us in this room who have come to Jesus Christ in saving faith, I don't know what sin you're struggling with right now. But if you're alive and you're breathing... <laughs> your heart is beating, then you are going to struggle with sin this week. It is a given fact that you will struggle with some temptation this week. How will you, by God's grace, handle this? And I would say, the starting point, the foundation of sanctification, as we clearly saw today, has to be that we acknowledge our new identity in Jesus Christ. Would you pray that by God's grace, he would help you to see clearly your new identity in Christ this week? That through Christ, our sins have been nailed to the cross. But with Christ, we have been raised to newness of life. Would you pray that? Our Father, we thank you for your word. Well, there's some deep stuff we're talking about today. Some, but some stuff we had to interact with. Lord, we don't want to candy coat this stuff. We don't want to kind of 
skip through some of the deeper stuff in Romans. We want to jump all the way in. We don't want to miss a thing. And I pray, God, by your grace, you would help us to understand our union with Jesus Christ, our new identity with Jesus Christ, especially as it relates to our struggles with temptations and sin. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the comfort of this text. And I pray that it would mean something to us every single day this week. And it is in Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. Thank you for your attentive ears this morning. I mean, honestly, some of, the ta- some of the stuff we've talked about this morning, that's not lightweight stuff. You're, in, you're working through some very good stuff theologically, and I understand there's probably questions you have. If you have questions, don't shy from emailing me. Actually, go ask one of the other elders. No, just um, let them sort of, no, bring those to us. We want to we help as a body. Our, our job our, before God is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to take the word of God and do our best to expose it. And so our prayer today that you are exposed to the truths of the word and that if you truly did have questions, that you wouldn't shy from bringing those questions to us. Thank you for your attentive ear this morning. I know there's several here. This is your first time at Cross Point Community Church. We are so thankful you're here. Our prayer is that your soul has been blessed and you are invited back anytime. We love seeing you here. Um, some of you came this morning ready to share of your resources. We're not going to pass any kind of an offering plate this morning. There are some boxes in the back, or else you can share of your resources online. Feel free to obey God.